everybody. Welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea. I'm a certified retirement coach. And today is Friday, October 29th, 2021. And I'm talking today with a really special guest. His name is Dr. Isaac Elias. And he has written a book called The Survival Paradox. And uh, he also is a doctor. He's an expert in integrative medicine. He's the founder and director of the Amitabha Medical Clinic and Healing Center in Santa Rosa, California. And he's got a very extensive background in medicine. And um, he's going to talk about today about um, how we can age better and be healthier and how we can transform our health. But um, one of the things that we're going to talk about is uh, what we can do at about our health at any age, at any stage we're in, how we can be healed from chronic health issues. And it's not a simple how-to book. That's not what this book is. It's really a transformative path for us to go on. And the reviews he's got are really impressive. Deepak Chopra talks about him saying this is an excellent guide. Dr. Josh Axe talks about him and says that this is life-changing. And a lot of his reviews say this is life-changing. The word transformative is used multiple times. So I think you're going to enjoy listening to what he has to say. So welcome, Dr. Elias, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. I'm so happy to join you today. Thank you. What is your background? How did you come into this? Uh, I started my journey of integrative medicine, uh, healing arts as a teenager. My father mm. was a civil engineer. Uh, I'm a native of Israel, and he did some work in Korea when I was uh, 14, 15, 16, where I was introduced to martial arts, to taekwondo and to yoga. And it really connected me with a more holistic view on life and on health at such an early age. And also being a beekeeper at a very early age connected me with nature. So when I went to medical school in Israel for seven years, I knew I'm going to do integrative holistic medicine. So while going through medical school, I also created for myself a three-year training in acupuncture and studied uh, Western herbology. When I got my medical license... We came to the U.S., I got Master of Science in Chinese Medicine. And my specialty all over these years, now for over 30 years, has been mainly in integrative oncology and in how to cure illnesses and diseases. And I can say that during this journey, and during the journey of getting a learning, being trained, and spending you know months and months on meditation retreats, I've recognized really the infinite healing potential that each of us has. And so things that were very complex, you know, I I can be complex because of my different backgrounds. I'm an active researcher, I have NIH grants, I publish papers, but I realize that it all boils out really to something that is simpler and that can really affect each and one of us. And this really brought forth my, my book, The Survival Paradox. I finally, in my early 60s, decided... It's time for me now to put on paper what I've refined over decades. Wow, that's that's great that you did, and I'm so happy. And I think there are going to be a lot of people as this book becomes out there that everybody knows about it. They'll be so thankful that you wrote the book. How long did it take to write? It took three years. So oh, it was okay. a long that's time. a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you for writing it. Um, so the premise of the book, it sounds like, is that most people think of inflammation as being the big problem with our health. We have inflammation, then we develop conditions like multiple sclerosis or 
certain types of heart attack, things like that. And that that's the real cause of aging and decline. But what you're saying is that there is this, um, is it a molecule, galactin-3? Yes. That is is really a problem in that we are designed to be survivors. That's what we've, evolution has created us to survive and to deal with any issues and traumas. But that is hard on our body. So can you tell us more? About that, and if I've messed that all up, I apologize. No, but, yeah, actually, actually you did very, very well and in simple okay. language. Okay. So we now recognize the role of inflammation in practically every chronic disease and in acute diseases, like in COVID, the cytokine storm, which I've been involved in research for decades. So we know it. But if something is the inflammatory process, is a process, and we don't usually take the time to think where does it come from. So if we look deep, it comes from our automated and biochemical survival response, which is built within us. We are all built to survive. You are built to survive. I am built to survive. Every living being is built to survive. And the survival is, in the first level, it's automated. It's automated through the autonomic nervous system, through the sympathetic system. It takes seconds. It can turn off through the parasympathetic system. But this survival drive is also gives rise to what are called alarmins, alarm proteins that sound the alarm. And the key alarm protein that I've been researching since 1995 is called galactin-3. So what this, this alarm survival protein does is in the embryonal stage, it helps us develop organs in a good way, which makes sense. We want to survive. But afterwards, it goes wherever there is a problem, and it tries to fix the injury. It's an injury repair mechanism. It fixes the injury by creating inflammation. And the problem is that once the alarm turns on, it doesn't turn off. So what we are finding from a philosophical point of view, from a biochemical point of view, and from a research point of view, is that it's really like, it's what we call an upstream protein. It's at the beginning of the waterfall. And if you shut it down, if you block it, you will block all the damage. While if you try to address the fire when it's already burning, it's not going to be nice, you know, it's not easy to do. So we are really addressing the issues at the source. And we do it by, in, a sim- in the simplest way, by blocking it with a compound called modified citrus pectin, which I developed 26 years ago. But the real message is looking inside and outside recognizing the survival pattern, recognizing the paradox, and learning what we can do about it. And we see, Kim, over time, that it permeates every aspect of our life and every aspect of our health. So kind of to summarize, when people ask me, how can you treat such difficult diseases? I tell them, I don't treat a disease. I always treat the person. Mm. And if you understand the person, if you see the person, then a pathway will be shown how to help them in whatever way is possible. And recognizing the survival drive, the survival paradox, and the need, opportunity, and ability to transform it is key. Okay. All right. And then your book, that's what you're helping people to do. It seems extremely thorough, too. So, And then, um, let's see. I want to ask a little bit more to just go back to the foundation of it, that you have been exposed to so many different healing modules and multiple types of medicine. And and so has this all built into how you've developed this 
this book and this transformative process? Is this all at the basis of this? Yeah, completely. It's really an outcome, a fruition of taking all the different paths as a clinician, as a healer, uh, of clinician of both Chinese, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, Western medicine, uh, other systems, and as a researcher, you know, I publish dozens of papers. My compounds have over a hundred published papers. I NIH grants, and taking the time to look inwardly, and get trained in meditation with specific uh, connection to healing, and recognize that within the esoteric world, for people who are interested. It's really all about opening our heart. Once we open our heart, once we connect with our heart, we connect with the infinite healing potential. So we, it's actually built within us. We are built to be able to do this. That's really the key role of the heart. I like that. So everybody can do this. Everybody can Definitely. take advantage of this and learn more to take better care of themselves. Definitely. It's beautiful. I really like what you said in your book. You, you said what happens at the cellular level happens at individual, community, global, and universal levels. That's a very impactful statement. So if we're taking care of ourselves, then we're taking care of a much bigger community than we even realize. So can you explain more about that? Yeah, uh, of course. If we look at every cell in our, if we look at every cell in our body, or let's say we look at ourselves, we want to survive. So we take in nourishment, we take in oxygen, right? And we exhale carbon dioxide, we let go, you know, we urinate, we have bowel movements, we sweat, we let, we let go of toxins. The same happens on an organ level, the same happens on a cellular level. The cell has a membrane, and the cell decides what comes in and what goes out. So it's a process of nourishment and detoxification. So the same survival happens on a cell level, on a tissue level, on a person level, on a community that wants to survive, on a country that wants to survive, and now on a globe that wants to survive. You know, today I just read something so inspiring about an 18 years old boy who started seven years ago a foundation for cleaning the ocean. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And now they finished their testing and they were able to pull out 66,000 pounds from the big uh, mess in the Pacific. And within five years, when they scale up, they will clean up 50% of the plastics and recycle. The same thing happens in our body. So when we recognize the interdependence between ourselves and others, between us and our community, between our country and other countries, between different races, between suddenly the fighting, the survival falls out. Now you would say, wow, that's very complicated. It's really not. If we were not able to do it, you and I and anybody else will not be alive because every cell in our body, okay, we have, I'm rounding up about 50 trillion cells, not million, million times a thousand is billion, billion times a thousand is, is trillion, 50 trillion cells. Each of them has close to or up to 1 million reactions a second. Wow. Now, if anybody thinks we're not a miracle, how is it possible? So yeah. all these reactions are happening together, and yet we are one economy, one person. Why? Because each cell knows its role in relationship to the other cell. Now, what happens when one cell feels... So it knows the cell is created, the cell works, then the cell ends up its role and dies, called apoptosis, and another cell gets created. When the cell decides to survive... It's not willing to give its role. 
the survival paradox on a cellular level, what happens? The cell starts to create a microenvironment. It does it by calling this galactin-3, creating a coverage, creating inflammation, not letting regular nutrients or oxygen to come to the area, and it starts growing like crazy. How do we call it? We call it cancer. So this happens on all the levels in the body, except for our heart. Our heart is built to get dirty blood from the whole body. It needs to get dirty blood. The heart gets the byproducts of all the other cells, tissues, organs in the body. It accepts it without discrimination. It connects to the universe through the breath. Right now you are in the macrocosmos. It gets nourishment through the universe, which is transformed in the lung, and then the heart nourishes without discrimination. The aorta is a stiff artery, so the heart gives and gives. So the survival of the heart, what I call in the book the heart of survival, is giving. And who does the heart nourish first as part of nourishing everybody else and in order to nourish everybody else? It nourishes itself through the coronary arteries. So we have this transformative power of the heart and that's why now you, you know studies are showing that happiness and compassion and community improve our longevity and we feel better and we have less inflammatory disease. So now I'm introducing in the book some of the roots why this is happening. And that's the power, that's the transformative power of the survival paradox when you understand it and then you use it. Each of us is going to use it in a different way. That's the beauty. We're all individuals, but we all have interdependent, you know, if we keep our environment clean and we collect, then the environment will be cleaner. Then when we breathe air, it's going to be cleaner. We won't get sick. So that's an example of a little bit about the relationship between the macrocosmos and the microcosmos. I like that. And one of the reasons I, I like it, because uh, there's so much truth to it, but it's just that if you think about if we've got trillions of cells in our body and in the planet, there are is it 8 billion people? I'm not sure how many we're up to right now. But, I mean, that's much smaller than what the body is doing. So it seems like if the body can do it, the globe can do it, too, with everybody exactly. knowing their role yeah. and doing their part. That's really neat. Okay, so you got into some stuff that was uh, pretty complex there, too, that I know is is in the book here. So um, one thing you point out, I think, in the book is that this isn't just about positive thinking. It isn't just about I'm good, I'm a good person, and I can be healthy. There's much more to the, the prescription, the transformation, than just having happy thoughts. Right. Is that right? Yeah, and it's, it's a <laughs> a because very often, I mean, it's great to have happy thoughts, but the question, where, where are the thoughts coming from? So this is really where I get to it only at the end of the book, I start going into the mind. My, my next book, Open Heart Medicine, really goes deeper into the, mental and meditative transformative but i really give a good introduction so really very often we have when we say oh i have positive thinking it's very often the not is a lot of negative thinking covered by a very thin layer of positive thinking so the first thing is like to be genuine with ourselves so just take a moment and slow down and when the space between thought when the space between action expands which physiologically happens when we get oxygen coming. So we are not in a survival mode, we can relax. Then suddenly insights come up, insights we are not aware of. And part of the healing process 
part of the healing that the heart does is not only physical healing. It accepts all this because the moment a certain mental reaction is released with a certain quality, there is a biochemical response. There is a, you know, a physiological response that has an effect. So we either respond to something with anger, which is a survival response, or we respond with acceptance, with an open heart, and suddenly the same response generates love and understanding and compassion. We become easier on ourselves, we become easier on others, and these things are profound. And I'm talking from somebody who, you know, had the privilege to be the doctor of the greatest meditation masters in the Himalayas, who trained with, you know, with, with legendary masters in in the most remote places in, on this earth. And it comes to this very simple thing, really connecting with our heart, which is really needed right now. When, when we're in our heart, there's no division. You know, there is no tension, there is no fighting, there is acceptance, there is support, and everything becomes easier. That's beautiful. Um, let's talk about um, Galactin 3. So... You know, sometimes when somebody comes out with a new product, like a new shampoo or something, they'll come up with this compound and, they, you know, now with this compound to protect your hair. And it sounds made up. So and it, it, I think it is made up. But Galactin-3 is not not something you invented. It's, it's something that is a real thing in our body, right? Of course. Galactin-3 okay. is uh, chemically, it's, uh, it's called, it's a carbohydrate binding protein. It's a protein that binds different sugars. And it has close to now, maybe by now, maybe close to 10,000 scientific published papers. Okay. It has been researched for over 30 years. I've made a lot of the discoveries, what happens when you block it. Uh, we found out that galactin-3 drives inflammation, drives fibrosis, drives the cytokine storm. And these are the things that shorten our life, you know, if it's heart failure or kidney failure or... Alzheimer or stroke or heart disease or cancer or autoimmune disease, they are driven by galactin-3. And because it's the beginning of the process, a small change in galactin-3 will create a very big change in the what we call downstream um, immune molecules like interleukin-6 for people who know. So we've shown in studies that when we block galactin-3 or we remove it from the body, we stop the pathological process very dramatically. So this is on the medical end of things and on the, you know, the blood filtration, on the supplement, on a diet that is anti-inflammatory. And at the same time, a lot of my life's journey is understanding this on a, on a mind-heart level. So mm -hmm. it's really this integration that is so powerful. But Galactin-3 is a highly researched uh, topic. There are pharmaceutical companies trying to develop Galactin-3 uh, blockers it's yeah there are people researching it all over the world okay that's good to know so um so can you give me an example of what happens if somebody comes to you and they are having some a chronic illness or you deal with people who have a terminal diagnosis too what do you do for them and then how does that affect them physically and then of course spiritually too but how does that how, how does the whole process work so uh when somebody comes, there are, there are two, two, two main parts. One is what you do, and the other is important, if not more important, is how you do it. So the first thing when anybody comes, a patient comes, 
is really we want to create a space for them. A space for them to be themselves. We want to give them the ability to express themselves because a good doctor, what they need to do is just take enough time to listen to the patient. So usually I spend between an hour and two hours with a new patient. I don't see many people, you know, there's a lot. So I have the patient, for example, write a summary of what's important for them. Not what I tell them is important, but what's important for them. And then we start the journey, and the journey unfolds. And within it, because of my different medical system and my clinical experience, I often find the story. There's always, Kim, there's always a story. And then you see how do you reverse the story. You can use pharmaceuticals, you can use herbs, you can use dietary supplements, you can use diet, you can use exercise, you can use meditation. You use whatever tools are right for the person at the specific time, at the specific place. And within the clinic, we specialize in a very unique process which I have pioneered new uses for, uh, kind of determined a disruptor, which is we use a process called therapeutic apheresis where we take out the blood and we separate the cells from the plasma and we filter the inflammatory components, the oxidized lipids and some positively charged heavy metals that are usually bound to, to the heavy metals, some, some lipid-soluble toxins. We filter them out of the plasma and really what happens, we're allowing the plasma, the blood, to go to what it was decades before. Now, it won't last for a long time. It can last for a day, for two, for a week but it gives the body an opportunity to adjust, to let go. So usually, traditionally, it would, it, it's used for hypercholesterolemia. I use it for inflammatory conditions. I use it with significant success. I would say so far without failure, but not large numbers yet, on chronic kidney disease, which is a condition that is conceptually untreatable. But it's the same concept. I'm trying to reverse the inflammatory process. And if we say, how is it possible? Well, it's possible because if we look at our reality, if we look at what we experience outside through the senses, if we look at what we experience inside our body, the one truth that all of us have, regardless of our belief system, is that everything changes all the time. Nothing stays the same. We know time is illusory. There is nothing solid. Everything changes. Well, if everything changes all the time, then everything is possible. That's the basis of the infinite healing potential. That, uh, you know, not, not everybody will be a miracle, but anyone can be a miracle. So we are trying to connect with this changing quality. Changing quality. And then suddenly our life shifts from being goal-oriented to being process-oriented. So we start living the moment. We experience life and time in a greater way. And in the book, there are dozens of stories of my heroes, my patients, that have really taught me the, the potential and the possible healing capacity because it really came from them. I mean, my role is really just to guide the patient and thus allow them to see their healing role. And within it, suddenly, the same chemotherapy will work better. The same radiation therapy will work better. So often people ask me, oh, can you give us our miracle, your miracle cases? I tell them, yes, I can give you, but so what? Many people have miracle cases. Come talk to all the patients, and you will see a certain 
principle that everybody is doing better than expected. Why? Because we are looking deeper than the symptom, deeper than the outcome. The symptom, the outcome, is our survival response, is our inflammatory response. In fact, even inflammation is not a symptom, it's what causes symptom. And medicine hasn't recognized inflammation as important until the last 10, 20 years. But what the book is offering is really a door into what causes this inflammation, and at the end, what causes the survival response. That's the real healing. That's where you connect with your infinite healing potential. I like that. And I like to, um, you talk about a patient named Rebecca in the book. And, and I've heard this from another practitioner as well, is that sometimes the healing isn't permanent. Like the person doesn't necessarily go on to live another 50 years after what's happened. Sometimes they still pass away, but the transformation is still profound and still there. And so in a sense, the person is completely healed, even though maybe the body doesn't follow along with the program forever, but the, there's tremendous healing, it sounds like, that comes from your program, that the person feels they have been healed in a, in a greater way than just the body. Would you say that, I, that that's an accurate interpretation of what I read? I would say that this is probably the most important statement you can make about health. There's no more, more important statement because we identify overcoming a disease with healing, and these are two different things. You know, if we have if we have high blood pressure and we take medication and we no longer have high blood pressure, we haven't healed from what causes us the high blood pressure. We just mm-hmm. change the outcome. And so the healing sometime will will result in a patient where there's small chance of completely recovering, recovering. And sometimes the patient, you know, will live longer, like Rebecca lived with stage four lung cancer for seven years. But during this year she became a happy person. She became a relaxed person. She lived the last years of her life in a more relaxed way, in a happier way. She left this world in a happier, more peaceful way. Her community experienced her healing. And so when you focus on healing in a deeper way, naturally you will live a longer life. That's the quantitative quality of longevity. And then you will improve the qualitative quality of of uh, of longevity by being more in harmony by shifting the survival the automated survival response to just having an opening open heart and to balance and harmony and you can see the effect on the people around you on your community it's uh, it's magical yeah that's that's really beautiful that really is neat so talking about some of the things that um you, they're part of your prescription, basically, is that meditation is, is an important component. And can you explain the value of meditation? And you also talk about how to do meditation, which is really helpful. Right. So, and then uh, I talk about it, and then, uh, and then one of the things that I do on, uh, uh, in different parts of the world is I lead meditation and healing retreats where people experience mm-hmm a physiological change in their body within a few days. Why? Wow. Because of this multifaceted prescription. So meditation, there are many ways to really look at meditation, many kinds of meditation, but the basic process that we go through the book is first to slow things down. And we slow things down because it's hard for us to slow our thoughts if we're not used to it. We slow our breath. And we start to recognize the gaps in our breath 
where we just don't breathe, which is usually between the exhalation and the inhalation. There's a gap there. And then slowly when the gap opens up, then suddenly the thoughts start slowing down, then suddenly we see the layer below it, and things start coming up. Amazing experiences, or traumas, or difficult things, we haven't invented them, they are in our body. And when they come up, that's when the meditation comes. For people who are listening, who do meditation, meditation, one of my most favorite things about meditation, meditation is not what you experience, it's your relationship with what you experience. So if whatever comes up is accepted, and you don't react to it, you are now learning to respond in a way that is not, that is not harmful to yourself, to your physiology, and to others. So we do it by creating space, and the other part that we do it, we do it by connecting to our heart. So I give something very simple, which is uh, something that I discovered by chance many years ago, that when you put your hands on your heart, you feel this incredible heat that we are not aware of. Mm. And this heat just goes everywhere. It's a, our heart is an electromagnetic field that is 100 times bigger than our brain. So the electromagnetic field of the heart affects every cell in our body, every cell, because it's much bigger than our size, but we're also connecting heart to heart to people around us. So I introduce people to the power of the heart in a very simple way. And just doing this, suddenly this healing heat starts going to different parts of the body. And then, of course, people who connect with me more on a one-on-one or come to my retreat, and we go deep. We go into much more powerful stuff. One of the things that I find very effective is dealing with people who have profound PTSD. You can really heal PTSD. And the story about Charlie in, uh, in Chapter 6, The Heart of Survival, is a great story of somebody who lived... 14 years with metastatic prostate cancer instead of one year, but really healed his PTSD from being a pilot and being shot eight times down in Vietnam. So you could see the healing, in, and the way he ended his life, you could see the healing, you know, in his, whole, his, whole, his whole experience. I, I was with him. I often, for people who are close to me, I'm with them when they take the, the last breath, and I'm, I'm there to support them. Because it's part of their healing. It's the biggest, biggest letting go, you know. It's the biggest exhalation of life. So if we really learn to let go, then suddenly the tissue doesn't contract. The survival molecules don't spike. Adrenaline doesn't go up. Glucagon doesn't go up. Cortisol doesn't go up, which you know is so relevant for aging. Now insulin is not going up, so you don't have diabetes and you don't have metabolic syndrome. So the beauty, what I'm trying to really introduce in the book in a relatively simple way, is really a simple model for something which is incredibly profound and complex and has validity in every moment of our of our life it's amazing there's so many um layers in this book of things that are important and doable which is neat and then um detoxification is something that you talk about as well and so what is the, I mean, that one seems like an obvious value where you're getting rid of things your body doesn't need. But what would you like to say about that? So I'm introducing detoxification in a little bit of a deeper way. Because often, you know, we all do detox. People who are into holistic or integrative medicine, they do detox diet and detox this and detox that. Detoxification is a natural process. Whenever we exhale, 
we detoxify. Whenever we inhale, we nourish. Our exhalation is twice as long as our inhalation. So we detoxify more than we nourish. When we come to this world, the first thing we do is we cry, we exhale. When we leave our body, last thing we do is we exhale. So it's built within us. So I explain the principle of, exhal- of, of detoxification, the preparation phase. What do you want to detoxify? What do you want to get rid of? So suddenly, in addition to the physical process, there is a mental process, there is an emotional process. And then I explain how you expose what needs to be detoxified, how you bind to the toxins, how you get rid of them, and how you support the body. So in the detoxification chapter, which is one of the three last chapters, which is really freeing the survival paradox, I give a, a unique framework. I teach a lot on detoxification. I publish on detoxification. And afterwards, in the 70, 80 pages of the appendix, I give very specific protocols and details. The book is full of details, but it's in the appendix. The book itself takes you to a journey. So when we detoxify, Kim, we realize some of our stuff is ours. Some of our stuff is traumas we got from other people. And a lot of what we have is from our ancestors. If we look at our life and we say that every 25 years there is a generation, especially in the past, then after 50 years there are four people, 75 years there are eight people, 100 years there are, there are 16 people, well, after 1,500 years, infinite number of people have created us. So there is no mathematical possibility that each of us, one time in the past, did not have a mutual parent. That's our interdependence. Mm-hmm. So when certain patterns are very profound for multiple generations, they are printed into our DNA. It's DNA scars. So we have our DNA, which is what we get from our ancestors, and we have epigenetics. Uh, we, have the, we have trends of which genes our ancestor on, or us, a time of trauma, or a certain time, decided to use. So through these methods we mainly change the epigenetics. Every hour, you know, if we do like one hour of Pilates and meditation and relaxation, about 100 genes will close and open. 100 genes that have been active are now not active. And so we have the power to change the outcome. It's again, it's what I, I talked in Judaism. There is a beautiful saying that in, in, in Hebrew, it says, which means, Everything is expected, everything is predicted, but we have the choice. The predictability is our genetic make makeup. The choice is our epigenetic. Do we want to go in this highway or we don't want to go in this highway? The basic door to change it is are we going to continue on the survival response and then all the emotions that or are we going to take a step back, open our heart and wow. Endless possibilities. Mm. So that's really the, that's where people who read the book, and some of them very experienced doctors or, or patients who are very sophisticated, they say, wow, this has been a transformative doc. This is a book. This has changed the way I think about my health. And so, yeah, the book is loaded. It's not something you're going to read in an hour, but there is a lot no. there because I give a lot of pearls from Chinese med, a lot of, you know, I've traveled to such remote places in the world. I can write stories, you know, and uh, once a TV crew wanted to, to come with me to where I go, I went to places that humans, people outside of the local people have 
rarely been in, you know. And so I've seen things in, in these different ethnic places and remote places, I've gathered certain pearls, you know. So I kind of sprinkle them through the book because I've done it for decades. I'm not like I, I had a great idea two years ago and now I'm like, <laughs> I'm writing it. This is decades. I mean, you know, it's over 45 years. Yeah, that's amazing. This is definitely who you are. It's, uh, you know, this is part of your makeup. So when you talk about um, epigenetics and how we have, we have stuff that we, you know, that's from our genes from many, many, many generations ago. So then the choices we make now can positively affect our descendants going forward. So it's kind of a lot of responsibility on us to make those choices now and transform ourselves because we're helping our future grandchildren, great-great-great-great-grandchildren. You are, so, it's beyond correct. This is really, okay. this is the, the message of the book, that we have the power to affect our children, but it's a little bit more complex. So you're totally right. It's because if how we behave and if our health is a result of multiple trauma that happened, let's say, two, three generations ago, let's say in my case, being a Jewish person, the Holocaust. Okay. Mm. I'm named after my grandfather, Isaac, who, who died at an early age when he was able to escape to Israel, and five out of his eight siblings got killed in the Holocaust. Now, I didn't know it, wow. mm-hmm. but the trauma is held, held in me because okay. it's part of my, of my genetic. He's 25% of my genetic material. So when I do my own healing, it's going to go back, and it's oh. going to heal different people on the line from him to me. And in the book, the second, the one chapter before the last, Healing the Scars of Survival, I tell the story of my grandmother, of my grandfather, of my mother briefly, and of me. How each of them reacted differently as the survival response, and how when I healed my own, my own being, I, from very early age, I had this pressure in my chest. Very painful. I would touch it in the middle of the chest. It would really hurt. And it was weird, you know. I mean, I was like a yoga teacher, and I was flexible, and I was... And finally I realized I'm holding the grief of my grandfather. And when through meditation I released it, and suddenly, about now it's three years, for the first time in my life, my chest is open, like it's 60 years old, you know. Mm. And when it happened to me, I didn't tell my mother about it. But my mother is an amazing being. Suddenly, for the first time in her life, in her 80s, was able to watch programs about the Holocaust. She was never able to watch before. Ah. Because my healing affected her. And this is a multi-generation healing. So healing goes forward. Healing goes backward. And once it goes backward, it moves forward to people we are not even aware are related to us, right? That's with the 23 yeah. and me and ancestry. We have all uh, these cousins, right? And, yeah. and relatives. And this is the interdependence. That's the future of us healing and, and surviving in a harmonious way. Mm. I mean, survival response is necessary. We do it when we need it and we let go when we don't need it. Yeah. That's amazing. It's like a, a pond and there's these ripples and... You yeah. drop your stone there, and it goes there, and it bounces off that edge, and goes on. And you just, it's infinite, really. You don't even probably fully understand the impact that you have when you do something this is like why, this for yourself. This is why I say 
infinite healing potential. Yeah. It's infinite. Yeah. And you never know where it's going to ripple, right? That's the potential. Amazing. Amazing. Um, let me ask you about a, a metaphor that you use in the book a lot. And you talk about a bird flying without leaving a trace. How does that tie into what you're talking about? <laughs> so the bird flying without leaving a trace is a, is a Buddhist metaphor. That when a thought comes, if we are completely relaxed, the thought passes, the sky is never changed. The sky doesn't matter for the sky if there is a bird or there is no bird. It's just that when the bird flies, we grab the bird and we go after the bird. And then, oh, where did the bird come from? And maybe it's too cold for the bird. And how it's going to survive? And our mind starts working. So this is the image I use to explain a proper survival response, like babies, or even in, intrauterus where there is an injury. Baby has a cut, it heals with no scar. No scar, like a bird flying in the sky, or like writing in water where nothing, nothing is left. When we get old, we have our traumas, we have our responses, we can't do this anymore. And then we leave a scar, we leave a physical scar. We leave an emotional scar, a psychological scar. And in the book, I go about a, a well-known therapy, which is not mine, which is neural therapy, where we inject scars in the body, and there is a big uh, uh, beneficial health effect, and what is kind of insane about it, uh, that is practically, and you're not supposed to say it in medicine, practically in everyone, where you take a scar that can be 20, 30 years old, and you inject, inject it with an anesthetic, specifically with proking. I use some homeopathics. The scar is numb for 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, and universally, the scar is going to get smaller, 10% smaller to sometimes 60, 70% smaller. Amazing. But what's most amazing is that it will never come back. It will never get thicker again. Why? Because the scar had it was a survival response, it was a trauma, it was holding. Oh, okay. And now it released. How did it release? The, the flow from the brain to the scar got cut by the numbing. And when you come back, you come back differently. So the same process can happen psychologically, mentally, with traumas. There is a concept in psychology called memory reconsolidation. Once we cut, we, 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 we cut this automatic flow, we can regroup in a different way. And that's the same idea of overcoming the survival paradox. So in retreats, we do it by creating a different environment. People leave home. And we create a group energy with amazing support. And there is a detoxification diet. And there is different exercises and yoga and qigong and breathing. And then there is a lot of meditation. There is hands-on healing. And uh, we create all of this environment so we speed the process. And then we provide people with tools. They provide people with tools. And so that's really a more one-on-one uh, -on -one or more intense way of transforming the survival paradox, but it's doable. It's amazing. That, that is amazing. Um, so you see a lot of people who are terminal where you are, but, I mean, could somebody come in if they've just been diagnosed or should they have the book or, like, let's say somebody's, yeah, maybe somebody's just been diagnosed with a stage one or stage two cancer or um, COPD or something like that. Is would Would it be a good time to start this? And I'm thinking anybody should start it, no matter how old you are, especially if you're in good health, start now to maintain your good health and everything. But, but what about somebody who's just starting with, a, with an illness? The earlier you come, the better. And it's very interesting because in oncology, let's say 
localized breast cancer, and there's like a, over 90%, uh, you know, five-year survival. So if you go up, let's say I'm rounding 90%, and you help the patient to get to, to, get to 93%, the oncologist knows that they have a really good tool. They are not eager to refer the patient, but if instead of 10% of the people, 7% of the people die, you reduce mortality by 30%. So, yes, so my biggest successes are with patients who are terminal, and it's because, not because I can't treat the earlier one, because the medical system kind of gave up, and the patient doesn't have the pressure to do certain things. They can connect with themselves. But the earlier somebody comes, the better. So if you ask what I do for patients, let's say somebody comes, let's say with breast cancer or prostate cancer, or no matter what it is, and they are just about to start treatment. I always want to see them before the first treatment. And I will create, I will give them a lot of blood tests. Most of them, there's a regular doctor, have never given and haven't heard of. And what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to create him a baseline. I'm trying to have a map, a biochemical map, where they are starting from, before the treatments change it. And then the result is that the outcome of whatever treatment they do become more effective because we time it properly, we choose it properly. And when you take the time, you always get to do things in a more refined, more effective way. And also for... For example, in, in cancer, it's really about supporting the patient to an environment where, where they can be themselves. You know, often patients have a, have a stressful relationship because what happens if, for example, if the oncologist will get upset at them if they did something? Mm-hmm. And they tell them, well, I mean, I can't even understand. What do you mean the oncologist will get upset at you? You are the one who is having cancer, not the oncologist. Mm-hmm. So I think it's transforming and oncologists are becoming much more aware of it. They're amazing oncologists that are really becoming opened. But yeah, the sooner a patient comes in, the more dramatic are the results. I see it when I treat chronic kidney disease. If somebody comes to me very early on, they can get better so quickly. If they come just before they're already going to dialysis, it's hard work. It's hard work. Okay. But so a healthy person who really has nothing going on right now, they could still follow everything in this book and of course just have really good health right of course Forever. and take care of addressing galactin 3 because okay. over time galactin 3 is going to cause trouble in all of us mm-hmm. just because that's the role of galactin 3 you know we look at people who are centurions compared to people who are 70 80 the centurions have a lower level of galactin 3 compared to those who are 70 or 80 because of this injury repair, inflammation, fibrosis uh, results that galactin 3 drives. And when some, something becomes fibrotic, it's not functional anymore. You know, when the heart is fibrotic, it becomes stiff. And that's the worst kind of, of heart failure. So the same, basically, it's a mechanism in the kidney, it's a mechanism in the liver, mechanism in the lungs, everywhere. Similar mechanism. Why? So, you know, when people look at galactin-3 and galactin-3 blocking, they say, oh my God, how can it be good for cancer? How can it be good for all these diseases? Because we are addressing a universal upstream basic process that then differentiates based on other factors to different illnesses in the different people. Okay. That's so amazing. Tell me about MCP. So MCP modified citrus pectin 
is uh, is uh, pectin is a long chain of a certain sugar, not sugar like glucose, carbohydrate called galacturonic acid. And when you extract it and you modify it in a specific way, it gets absorbed into the bloodstream and it's an effective blocker of galactin-3. So I've been involved with galactin-3 research since 1995. I developed uh, the first commercially available uh, modified citrus pectin, pectosol, uh, which is the one that all the research has been done on, over almost 75 uh, published papers. And what it does, it blocks the harmful effect of galactin-3. It also binds to heavy metals and helps the immune system. There is a lot of uses to it. So this is something simple that everybody can do in their in their, in their daily health protocol, you know, is take pectosol every day, take modified citrus pectin every day. In the book, I tell the story. I, I was 12 years old, 1971, we just came back from, from Brazil, and we took a walk to our neighbors, Ruth and Leo Cohen, which were PhDs in the citrus industry in Israel. And Ruth, out of the blue, turned to me and said, Isaac, one day they will find a treatment for cancer from the peel of the citrus fruit. And, you know, 24 years later, when the first research came, I remembered it. Huh. And I called that one in San Francisco. I told her, Ruth, it's Isaac. I remember what you told me. And she's the one who put me together with the main scientists. And that's how I developed okay. the product. And then, as the interest initially was in cancer, I started seeing that joint pains are getting better. Memory is improving. And I realized, wow, it's affecting inflammation. So, that's, so then about 10 years later, it became more publicly recognized, and now most of the research is in this field. It's just it's amazing. You have so much information for people, and you do talk about the supplements, vitamin, diet, everything in there in that appendix is really like a Bible that you would need to, you know, a recipe for, for good health. Um, is there another story that you would like to share with us about um, somebody that you worked with that, you know, you're happy about? Well, I think it's special? very... A very special story that is in the book is the story of Rachel about healing the scars of survival, where she was with a very difficult cancer, and that was affected by her life, and she left the meditation center, and instead of turning right and going to the big oncological medical center she was driving to, she turned left, and she went to the place where she was in college 10, 15 years later, and she camped in the woods, and she changed her life, and her recurrence just disappeared. Mm. Again, it's not something common, it's not going to happen to everybody, but it's like she took this one cup of herbal tea, and it disappeared. And it disappeared because she made such a profound change. She became a different person. And when she became a different person, her biochemistry changed. Everything changed for her. And, you know, now it's 26 years later. Oh, so, amazing. But the story is really her story. It's the story of the power of changing your epigenetics. You know, she changed her genetic exp- expression. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good story of healing with a great medical outcome. Yeah, it is. But I think this, this book is a wake-up call. I know that's how I felt when I finished it early this morning is that, I mean, I, there's things I need to change. There's things I can do. And right now is the time to do it. So I really like your approach with this whole book about how you can do this and how important it is and how important it is as, as a member of the planet to do it as a member of your family. And just as, 
for your, as a kindness to yourselves to do all this stuff. And your the way that you have done it, you I mean, your your prestige is quite high. You know so much, and you you're um, such an expert. But you're so humble and and gentle the way that you express all this and. Um, it seems like a good time to be alive. You know, sometimes right now we're all struggling with, gosh, it's just such a hard time right now. And there's so much division in the world and there's COVID and there's just so many things going on. It's kind of scary. But when people like you come around and you say, no, there's a lot of wonderful things you can do right now. It's a good time to be alive. We, we know stuff that we didn't know a long time ago and you're here to share it. It's really, it's really wonderful to be able to talk to you and hear all this. Yeah, you know, thank you so much. You know, it t- t- touches my heart because it's the idea I say in the book. I wouldn't tell you all of this if there wasn't a solution, because then what's the point? There is a solution, totally. And you just expressed it so beautifully. Thank you. Do you feel like you're living your life's purpose doing this? I do. I do. I do. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? No, really, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was a great conversation. I mean, for me, one thing that is really important for me from this conversation beyond enjoying this this podcast is that I can see that uh, the message came through. The message of the book came oh, through. Yes. And no, you're, really, yeah, this really makes the effort worthwhile, you know. It's yeah. really about, I want this book to be out because I put the time, you know, to put it out. And I really feel that the more people read it, the more it will change their life. It's not, you know, it's not another like new age, something popular that's going to be good for a few months. It's the depth of our truth. That's how we are built. So it's introducing things we know from the mind and things we know from other areas, and it puts it together. It takes all of this complex philosophy and understanding and puts it in our body, in our cells, in our biochemistry, in a way that it can help anyone. And that's really the purpose of the book. Well, it's very inspiring. And as, as you point out, it's not just inspiring like, I feel really good. I feel really optimistic about this. It's inspiring that you need to make a change in how you live your life and how you approach things and then go forward and tell other people about it and bring everybody along with you because this is a wonderful, wonderful book that I think everybody should have. And when I first looked on the Amazon link, which I'll have here in the show notes for you if you're listening, if you go to the show notes down below, you can see the link to the book so that you can go pick it up. And I saw it was on Kindle and it's an ebook and it's a, it's a hardcover book. And my first thought is, oh, shoot, there's not an Audible book because I like Audible books very much. I like to listen to my books. But this is one that I think you need to have in your hands because I think you need to be able to refer back to it. And there's so much going on in the appendix. In an Audible book, this would be a challenge. So I know you can get PDFs with Audible books, but this is great. This is really such a wonderful and valuable book. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, Kim. It was great to talk to you. Oh, thank you. So Dr. Elias can be found at the survivalparadox.com and you can get the link there to the book. I'll have the link here in the show notes for you to look at. You can also get the link directly to the book on Amazon and we'll have that there for you. And he, again, is the founder and director of the Amitabha Medical Clinic and Healing Center in Santa Rosa, California. And I, I forgot, I was going to ask you about this. Could you tell us what Amitabha means? Yes, Amitabha means limitless light. So it expresses the ability, it's a Sanskrit word, it expresses the, you know, the light is limitless, healing is limitless, change is limitless. And that's that's what you've inspired in me for sure. I feel like 
this limitless. There really is a lot of potential here that maybe you just don't realize you have. So I wanted to thank you so much for that message. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach, so if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now.